0: Welcome to Hola Mama podcast, this is Natalie, and this is Christina, and we're just two friends sharing the weirdness and wonder that comes with everyday mamahood, hoping to encourage our multicultural mamas as we navigate and raise our little ones between our two worlds, one bilingual conversation at a time. So while you clean up those big messes or fold those tiny little clothes, turn up the volume and join us as we talk all things mamahood. Michelle, are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so welcome to another episode of Hola Mama. I am today sitting with a very special friend of mine, Michelle. A very old friend of mine. Not that you're old, but we've been <laughs> friends for a very long time. Yep. I remember your mom picking us up from remember Park View, our elementary me. school. And then I remember my mom picking you and Sammy up for school and so we go a long way. And now we're here talking about like our own kids. Yeah. How crazy is that?
1: Who would have (laughs) thought? Seriously,
0: (laughs) who would have thought? So why don't we do this? Um, Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do and um, yeah, just so the moms can get to know you.
1: Okay, so uh, my name is Michelle Torres. I am a community organizer for a local hospital here. Um, we do a lot of like um, community empowerment and stuff. So that's what I do. That's my day job. Um, I'm also a grad student. Um, so I'm getting my master's degree in counseling psychology so I can be a therapist. Awesome. Um, and I'm a mama to a little girl. She's four years old and she rocks my world. But she that that's basically me in a nutshell. Those are the big components of my life.
0: Okay, so... I think, um, I've been like in some of the major events of your life, yeah. except for when you were expecting, right? Yeah. So obviously uh, when you got married first and you were pregnant first and, uf, ni me pasaba por la cabeza what pregnancy is or what like being a mom is. So I just remember hearing that you were in the hospital for issues with your pregnancy and, what's o sea, toda soltera like I was like what is that pobrecita and like what's going on with her but um gosh now that I'm a mom I so regret not going down to the hospital and spending some time with you because I know you were there for months so tell us tell us a little bit about that how was your pregnancy like I, I heard it was really hard and I know from you now that it was really difficult
1: yeah um okay so it was I got married Right. And I got pregnant like right away, like immediately. Um, <laughs> so did we. Yeah. <laughs> <That's embarrassing. laughs> yeah. It's like, OK. Um, yeah. So I got pregnant right away. And then um, I waited until I was about like 18 weeks pregnant to go see the doctor and get it confirmed and stuff. Because I actually I had no reason to think that anything was wrong with my body. Wait. Hold on. Say that again. <laughs> you waited till 18 weeks. 18.
0: To go see a doctor.
1: To go see a doctor. So for
0: those eighteen weeks, you weren't even hundred percent sure you were pregnant. Yeah,
1: I mean, like I was just like, okay, I'm sick in the morning. Oh my God, <laughs> Michelle, that's three months. Yes, yeah, I'm. I was. I did I waited until my second trimester to go see a doctor. I know that's like super dumb. I was taking like prenatal vitamins, but again, like in my mind, I was like pregnancy is the most natural thing in the world you know nothing could go like possibly go wrong you know i'm young i was like 24 25 or whatever when i got Mm -hmm. pregnant so i was like okay like nothing should be wrong um but then at 18 weeks when i went to go get my pregnancy like you know confirmed and like make sure everything was fine and stuff um it was like this like series of of really fast events because like that day um they you know got the heartbeat and then they were like okay well it's time for your full anatomy scan um and so they they took me there um and there was a, where the person was like really like weird it was like this weird uncomfortable silence during the anatomy scan um and I was like is everything okay and they're like you know what like we're gonna get you to go see um one of the doctors here and so from there from the from the full anatomy scan they took me right to um L D, labor and delivery and i they, they made me put a gown on and it was just like boom 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 like it was really nobody was really telling me what was going on so i was like you know i wonder if everything's okay and i called my mom and i was like mom like you know they're 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 putting me in labor and delivery already um and she was like okay well let us know let us know what's happening because like i had a gown on i was sitting in the bed it was just very weird and that's when the OB comes in and then she's like, you know, you have, um, you're dilating early. Um, you're dilating at 18 weeks. Um, and like, there's a few things that we can do, but I got to talk to some of my colleagues. And they were like, you know, we can put a cerclage in or we can put you on hormones. or We can put you on bed rest. So that day, my life changed. I went from like working full time and like expecting a healthy pregnancy and having everything be normal in my life to like one day to like from one day to the next being put on bed rest and not being able to work and then having this like illusion of a perfect pregnancy just shatter yeah. it was like from and i swear from like 18 weeks on it was just this constant like stress because you know like the age of the the age of viability for a baby like a fetus is 25 weeks yeah so i had seven weeks until i felt like i, I my kid even had a chance you know so they put me on hormones, they put me on bed rest, and I would go like every week or so to, to the doctor um, to get, you know, my cervix measured and stuff, and every week it was bad news. They were like, you're still dilating, there's, you're still dilating until a certain point, I think it was like the 20, 23rd week or so. Um, they were like, well, we're gonna, we're gonna admit you into the hospital, and um, just in case, you know, the baby comes, we're ready. And so that day, um, they admitted me, and then like they, they, they put like pitocin and some like steroids and stuff just in mm-hmm. case to help Sarah's lungs mature faster, um, if she was born that day, um, but like. I felt terrible because like the doctor came in and he just talked to me about like worst case scenario, like what would happen if she was born, all the delays that she could possibly have, all the different disabilities. And that was just like really, really low. That was like the low point because I was like, okay, like this is really real right now. And so I was there for about five weeks. Um, inside of the hospital and it was just me you know I was in Fontana my parents lived here in like Hesperia you know Josh was working all day I was alone for most of the day and you know I had friends come and visit me and stuff but again like it was really weird because my brain was so occupied with this thing you know this 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 fact that like there was a really good chance that Sarah was going to be born early and maybe not survive or have like a brain bleed or all these like terrible things that happen when you have a preemie baby you know and so uh, luckily, like my uh, cervix stayed stable for about five weeks and they sent me back home um, and I kind of just chilled for a few weeks. Um, and then next thing you know, it was like I was like 35 weeks pregnant. I made it to 35 weeks And I was like really frustrated because nobody was helping me set up our room for like Sarah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I started moving furniture around (laughs) and I put myself into labor. Like I did it because I was like, okay, well, nobody's going to help me. I'm going to do it myself. (laughs) I was like, uh, I was, uh, I started feeling like my, uh, what do they call it? The thing where where your stomach starts to... (laughs) <laughs> there you go. I'm like the worst mom I've ever. <laughs> um, contractions on like a Saturday. And then Sunday I went to church because, you know, my dad needs the piano, you know. <laughs> so like I went to church uh, and I started feeling really bad during service. So I went home and like I laid down for like an hour and then I was like, all right, it's time to go. You know, it's, I have to go. Like if anything, they'll just send me back home. Um, but I need to make sure that I'm I go to the hospital and I go. And um, they're like, well, you're going to have your baby today. And I was like, cool. I ended up having her that next day on Monday.
0: It just seems like she wanted to come to this world so early on. I'm surprised you made it to like 34 weeks because that's pretty good. Like 34 weeks is still better than like in the 20s, oh, right? Yeah. Like weeks in the 20s. Yeah. So that's pretty good. Why did you pick out um, the name? Because I've
1: always loved the name. <laughs> I'm like, Michelle. Uh, um, okay, so when, when, when I was still like unsure whether or not, you know, Sarah, I would ever be able to actually like have her and hold her in my arms. Um, I, uh, I started thinking about a name and I had, it was funny, like before I I even got pregnant, I had a list of names that I liked on my phone for like future kids and stuff. Didn't pick any of them. Mm -hmm. Um, Sarah's name, well, she, her first name is, she's named after my mom. Um, and her middle name is, uh, excuse me, Kumi which is C-U-M-I. And it's an Aramaic word that means arise. Um, and the reason why I picked it was because like of that, uh, story of Jesus and Jairus's daughter, um, where, you know, Jesus was, uh, going around, like, healing people. He healed the lady with uh, with the issue of blood, right? Mm-hmm. And Jairus was, like, bugging him, like, saying, like, hey, like, come, my daughter is sick. Come, my daughter is sick. So by the time Jesus was, like, you know, held up by people, but, like, by the time that he got to Jairus' house, uh, the girl was dead. Yeah. And so, you know, death is, uh, for a lot of people, that's the end. You know, there's no hope after death. Um, but, like, Jesus just extended his hand um, and he said, Talitha Kumi, and it's translated means little girl arise. So Sarah's name, uh, which Sarah in Hebrew means princess, um, Sarah's name means princess arise. So like for me, it was like, okay, I'm hopeless, just like Jairus was. You know, I have, I, I, like doctors can't help me right now. There's nothing that I can do to like stop Sarah from coming, literally nothing. It's like the only thing that can actually help right now is, is Jesus, that's it. Like, it is God's, like, um, a miracle. His last word. Yeah. yeah, his last word. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I wanted her name to be a reflection of that, a reminder for me that, like, when I, when, when nothing could help me, there's only one, one, mm-hmm. you know, God that did.
0: That's so beautiful. Yeah. Um, so how much have you changed as a person since you've become a mama?
1: I mean, I can't even like recognize myself. (laughs) Um, Like physically, emotionally, I'm just like I I don't even. I think the biggest, the biggest change that I can see is is the difference in my why. You know, like uh, when I was going through my undergrad, um, I wanted to go to school to one, you know, one to like make something of myself but also like please my parents for example and like just like my intentions were very external and like now like as i as i walk through my life my purpose is like sarah okay like if i if i make a decision like it begins and ends with her mm-hmm. um and then i think that like it's kind of made me softer in general, like it's, it's made me, it's made me sh- extend grace, uh, because it's really exposed a lot of imperfections that I have in myself as a person. And it's like, okay, like I mess up so much as a parent that I'm sure someday that Sarah's like going to have to go to therapy because of me, you know, but like, I'm not perfect. I cannot be perfect. Okay. So I need to extend that same grace, not only to myself, but to everybody else around me. I can't hold myself to impossible standard. I can't hold anybody else's standard either, mm-hmm. you know?
0: I think motherhood is one of those things that's like holding a mirror up to yourself and yeah. it like just what you said it exposes all of our weaknesses and our shortcomings and I think that's why it's so hard because sometimes we we can't accept you know how shortcoming we are. Not only motherhood has a way of doing that but marriage does too. Like marriage is just one of those hard situations that we put ourselves in right We're just like we chose this and now I'm just like being exposed by what kind of person I really am so speaking of marriage um again I think I was your wedding coordinator (laughs) I remember that day it was actually a really nice wedding you look so beautiful in your dress that your mom and you made I will never forget it yeah but um so this episode, there's so many things that we can cover and talk about, but we wanted to, I wanted to sit down with you and ask you from, you know, mom to mama and friend to friend, what it's like to be single mom, especially in this time. And during this time, because just like you said, you were expecting and you were pregnant And then one day your life changed with this unexpected complication in your pregnancy. And you also got married with the illusion of a long, you know, lifelong commitment. And then here we are where you find yourself solo parenting, single. So did you ever imagine that you would be a single mama to,
1: to Sarah? I mean you said it right like when you get married divorce is nowhere near the front of your mind like you get married you love somebody you make a commitment and when i made that commitment i really really meant it um but unfortunately like you know some things happen and like you I, i had to make a choice about whether or not i wanted to um i guess like um what i wanted sarah to To have as an example of a woman, you know, growing up, like, did I want her to um, see a woman who didn't uphold her boundaries, or did I want her to see a woman who, like, did like made a choice when things were hard, you know? So, like, that's what I chose. I chose. I chose uh, that. I chose to to move forward. You know, being a single mom, um, and you know, it's it's been a lot of twists and turns, you know. But like, I'm really lucky um, in the sense that like, you know, I am solo parenting, but I'm not doing this by myself. Like, um, I have super supportive parents. I have super supportive brothers. I have friends who love this baby girl, like, like they were, you know, her, her own, their own. Um, and then of course, like, you know, her dad's still really active in her life. He still sees her all the time. So those are the things that kind of differentiate me from like, let's say a woman who, who was abandoned, you know, completely. Um, so I'm lucky in that sense. Um, but, it's definitely not a life that I would have chosen um, if if circumstances were different.
0: I, I don't think it's a life that any woman chooses. You know, nope. it's not something that we're like, yeah, I, I think I want to have a kid by myself and <laughs> you know, be by myself. But what is the greatest challenge that you faced um, since becoming a single mom? And I'm asking you because I, you know, I I'm married and. There are moments in my life where I can't imagine not being with my husband. And I think a lot of women, we go through that, you know, if something happens to my husband, like, I don't know how I can do it. I don't know how I would do it. Like, it would be impossible for me. So when I see you and what you went through, I feel like now women always arise. Like, we always come out at the other end and it's always like we face challenges. We have those challenges, but we always make it to the other end stronger?
1: There has been a few, um, I would say adjusting financially for one, because it we are a single, I'm, I'm a single mom. So, um, and I have like the majority custody. Um, so financially adjusting from being a two income household to a one, um, was significant because I felt like, okay, I have all these bills, you know what I mean? I used to have help. So there was that, um, there was also the fact that like, um, her dad and I have very different, um, let's say attitudes towards parenting. Um, and there's like a difference between co-parenting and, um, parallel parenting, right? So like co-parenting is in a perfect world where you and your, and your co-parent have like really similar views towards life and like, um, discipline and, you know, education and things like that. Like you're all on the same page and you can, you're able to communicate and like you're able to maneuver tricky situations like new partners and things like that with ease, because again, you're like, you're like on the same team. Right. But if there's a difference in any of those like different, um, like areas, it gets complicated. Like we had different perspectives on when to introduce Sarah to new partners. And, uh, you know, part of that was because I was, um, I just want to look out for my kid, you know, but again, we had different perspectives on how that was going to be done. And so, That was a complicated situation and it just kind of boils down to picking and choosing your battles and understanding that like, okay, that is my kid's dad and I have to respect and treat him as such. Like even when sometimes like, you know, they don't make it easy. You know, you have to keep your side of the street clean. That's all you can do sometimes. It's like, just have like, just take responsibility for what's yours.
0: What has been, I mean, has it been a challenge for you? how, or how can I word this, the reaction of other moms. Um, because for example, I'm going to put myself first, you know, when I heard that you and Josh had, were filing for divorce and I, I didn't know how to approach you. And so I didn't, and I've said this before on the podcast. You know, it's not that we don't have any empathy or sympathy. It's just that we don't know how to love a friend well during a hard time. Like we feel like we they want us to love them the way that we appreciate to be loved. And I know I like to be sometimes left alone. And so I just assumed that that's what you know, that's where you were at too. And I'm learning through this podcast that that's just not the case for everybody. Um, so my distance, you could have, you know, translated that as in, you know, I don't know, rejection maybe, or like, did you feel like you were outed by other moms or not just moms, but like people in general, you and I both grew up In a very conservative background i cannot stress that enough very conservative not only because of our religious background but also because of our culture like it's not you know it's almost like shamed if you don't stay married if you are not submissive to your partner to your husband so yeah how was or what was your experience with other people's reactions through your divorce
1: that was rough like to say the very least like when when everything happened um and i separate i had to like separate from sarah's dad um i kept it completely quiet for about six months or so um and a lot of that was shame driven i was i felt like a failure i felt embarrassed i felt um I didn't want to talk about it because I felt like talking about it made it real, and I was in this really acute grief um because like when you get a divorce or when you separate from your partner um it's 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 a death of a life together, it's a death of a love, it's a death of dreams that you had um, so it's like I was very much um during that time like not ready to talk about it with anybody. Um, I just quietly like scrubbed my social media from any traces of (laughs) Josh, and, um, you know, I didn't tell anybody, but when I did, um, I was just like, there were some comments that really rubbed me the wrong way because people tried to like, it was, they felt it was their responsibility to figure out why, you know, um. They, nobody saw it coming because fact of the matter is like when when I was married to Josh, like I was obsessed with him. He was like he was like the most handsome man to me. Like, you know, I was like really in love with him. And we did have As like, you you're, you're married, <laughs> you're yeah. married right? Yeah. Um, but like everybody was kind of surprised because they didn't see it coming. I didn't see it coming. I mean, I, like they were blindsided. Imagine how I felt, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, But, you know, you mentioned religion and you mentioned our Hispanic culture and stuff. And the way that a single mom is viewed, um, they think that you're kind of like a loose woman, you know? They think that you're out to, like, prey on... Um, People probably thought, like, oh, she's out looking for a husband
0: now, right? Like, you, yes. you're you just looking and shopping for, for a husband. Yes. Yeah, I can see how that was, like, an assumption.
1: Exactly. And, I mean, I'm sure that in, you know, historically, like, women have kind of like been in this position where they weren't financially like in a position to separate like if their husband left them they weren't ready for it you know so like they might have been looking for a husband to help provide for them you know and their kids and stuff but like I I'm, I haven't been in that position like even now I've been divorced for two years now um and Like I've barely dated, you know, like, so it's like this assumption, again, I think it's very Hispanic. And I think it's also very like, um, from this conservative background that we're from that, like, this is very new, you know, it's not something that people talk about. It's very much an issue of of shame. Um, and I think that it was really rough for some people to, to see me go through that. Um, I think the biggest thing was like pity. I didn't want to be pitied. Because I've always been this, like, really, like, solution-oriented person that, like, I was like, okay, this is my life now. I'm going to try to make it as good as I possibly can. And I've always been like, okay, I don't feel good. I feel sad. What can I do to really process my feelings so that I don't stay here, you know? So, like, that's always been my perspective. And so, for me, like, it was maybe not the healthiest thing, but, like, I didn't want to be pitied. I I wanted to come out of this, like, stronger on the other side. Mm -hmm. So, like... I don't know. It was, it was, it was a hard time. And I felt like, um, after I got a divorce, um, it was like this leveling of my identity because it was very much tied up in being a mom and being, um, and being a wife and being this like poster child for the apostolic assembly of Jesus Christ. You know what I mean? (laughs) And so like, that was my identity. And so this like thing, this divorce, it challenged every single one of those things. And so I had to very much rebuild myself. Um, and that was the hardest part. Because again, like I was going through acute grief. And you you asked like how you can love somebody well through this kind of challenge. Um, and I would say it's easier to say what like one not to do. Um, my biggest pet peeve was when people would try to give me advice. Or they would try to provide um, an explanation like, you know, God, you know, has this in mind for you or whatever this is a path that you're supposed to take and i was like no like i think that there's god's perfect will and his permissive will and i think that like god in his perfect will i don't think this divorce was part of it you know what i mean i think that sometimes people make bad choices and we accommodate and god can use those things for good but please do not tell me that this divorce was god's plan (laughs) because it was not i refuse to believe that you know i think um
0: we feel like we we want to say something that will fix that will fix it and will like end all of your pain and all of your hurt if i just say the perfect thing and sometimes we can't come up with that perfect thing and we also get paralyzed with what to say and just like stupid stuff comes out of our mouth you <laughs> we're just like it was god's will that you go through this divorce but i 100% agree with you i feel like our life is just a series of decisions whether they're good or bad and it's just us going through the consequences of those decisions if it's a good decision you're gonna get a good result if it's a bad decision you're gonna get a bad result or it's just a series of experiences and yeah I do believe that God uses them to shape us and to bring us closer to him I don't think it's his will that we go through (laughs) like pain and or his will that we go through hardships, but he does use them, you know? And so I think a lot of people, they feel it's better to say like this all loving God, uh, you know, wanted you to go through this because you're going to be quote unquote stronger, you know? And yeah, it is. (laughs) It's so like, just say, say something else. Um, but I think at the end, it's just that we don't know what to say. Yeah. You know, we don't know what to say.
1: Um, Brene Brown talks about empathy. Um, and there's this like really cool YouTube video that I'm sure that people have seen before on like Facebook and stuff. But it's like um, she talks about these like little like um, like this person that like when they're in like a really uh, deep sadness or a deep hurt um, that it's like they like crawl down a hole right and they're um they're they're there right they're in the pit of their their sadness right and so like sometimes what people do is like they're at the very top of the hole and they're like looking down and like looking at the person they're kind of like you know that's when they say things like okay uh, that's when they give advice and that's when they're like oh it's going to be okay like it's very like fr- it's very detached right and true empathy is like crawling down into the hole and sometimes it can be just like sitting with somebody And like giving a a distraction for like a second, like, you know what, let's go get coffee and we can talk about anything else. You know, if you don't want to talk about this or if you do want to talk about it, like it's up to you. You know, giving them the space, but also giving them like the opportunity if they want to talk. And then um, just using like mirroring language like, you know, that that sounds really hard. I can't even begin to like try to understand what you're going through. It's like, but like I'm here for you. I'm just I'm here you know? Just, like, that simple action of, like, just love and understanding of, like, hey, like, I don't understand. I do not get this, okay? But I'm here, you know? Like, that goes a long way because, like, when you're, when you're really in grief, like, you don't see things clearly. You don't Mm -hmm. interpret the words that people say sometimes, like, you interpret them, even though they're like, with the best intentions, like, you interpret them sometimes as, like, A reminder of like things that happen you know so it's like i think that even like i said like just like being being there being present offering a distraction and like admitting that like it just like just don't give advice like i think at the very minimum (laughs) yeah i would say that's that's a really good pointer where like if you're
0: a friend just be with that other friend and mirror their emotions whether they want to talk about what's going on or they don't want to talk about what's going on. Um, I know like I had a friend that was going through something really, really rough. And I would just call her and say, hey, I'm going to drop off something off at your porch. You don't even have to see me. I'll just swing by, drop it off, ring the doorbell. It's right there for you. And she later told me that that simple act, and I only did it twice. Um, I didn't think much of it. But she said that those simple things was what got her through like the hard days of knowing like this you know, she's not imposing herself on me, but she's letting me know that she's there. That went a long way, and I didn't know that. I thought I was doing like the bare minimum, and I felt a little bad about that. You know, <laughs> I felt like, well, you know, I don't know. So, what do you think about, um, for example? moms who would say, I don't know if I should invite her over because she's going to see me and my husband and he's going to be around and she might feel bad or might remind her of her marriage. Have you had any experiences like that?
1: I have this friend who, um, she, she has the most like doting husband, like just, he is all about her family, all about her kids like he's just so dedicated towards their family unit um and like sometimes like I would say I would say again like in those really acute phases of like grief that's that's a rough time that's a that's a hard time to even watch like couples being in love on tv (laughs) like it's a it's a little bit like um it is a little triggering you know but like um Sometimes, you know, I will see couples together and I'll see like a, a dad who's like, who's really involved with his family and loves his wife. And like, again, you, all I know is like what, what I see. You know what I mean? I don't know like what's really going on. So I'm like interpreting these things. <laughs> um, but like sometimes I would see that family and I'd be like, man, like, you know, this could have been us. This could have been, you know, I could have, I could have had this like family unit. Cause me, like, fact is like when me and, me and Josh were like, were, like right before we actually got a divorce, like we were building a life together. Like we hadn't really experienced, you know, this family unit yet because we were still figuring a lot of stuff out in our lives. Um, he was like, you know, working on establishing his career and like I was like working to part time jobs. And so we were very much about like we were building you know, we hadn't gone gotten to experience like all the benefits of, or like what if I don't know, like this like typical family experience, you know? And so like sometimes everyone now it's a lot better. Like I I kind of appreciate my um, single momhood for what it is. Um, but like before I would I would my heart would hurt sometimes because that, yeah, like who doesn't want you know yeah. a united family? Um, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Who doesn't want it?
1: I guess one of the benefits
0: of having a partner at home are those moments where you can tap out. I know I definitely need, like, I need those days sometimes where Celine gets home and I'm just like, I can't, I can't, you know, with the kids, I need you to take care of them before something really bad happens (laughs) and I will tap out and he will step in. But when you're solo parenting, Like, how do you tap out? What do you do for yourself? What do you do on a really hard day?
1: I don't know. Like, I, I, after, after, after me and Sarah's dad separated, one of his parting gifts was anxiety. Like, I started having really bad panic attacks and I started like, um, being like super anxious. So one of the ways that the anxiety like manifests itself is irritability. Yeah yeah like i'll just i'll just feel hot and i don't know why and sometimes like that'll spill over to my child and so i i i definitely do feel that need to like okay i need a break right now for this second because like for for no reason that's like she's a kid she's four you know what i mean she's not this like purposely annoying kid like she's just four and she wants my attention but sometimes i don't have it i don't have i don't have anything to give her you know so i feel again really lucky that i have supportive parents um, my mom is great with my daughter, uh, so I know that if I just need a break i 'll tell like my mom 's like, "Mom, you know what like my head 's not in a good place right now, like is it okay if I leave her and i 'll just go and like and I have different things that I like to do, like um i 'm a big hiker oh, yes. I love hiking, I love getting out, and I, something about being in nature is really uh grounding for me um because like. You just feel so small, like you're you're surrounded by pine trees and like like rightwood, for example, are really close. Um, I also, after my divorce, I got really into fitness. Um, I got into CrossFit, um, which is really intense. Girl, yeah. I know. I'm like
0: every time I see your Instagram stories, I like have to shut that down. <laughs> it is making me feel so guilty because. I don't even want to walk outside of my house right now. <laughs> and maybe I need something dramatic happen in my <laughs> life to get
1: me there. <laughs> Dude, there's nothing like the divorce diet to so really get you moving. Oh,
2: man. Nah, but, like,
1: for real, like, CrossFit has helped me with my mentality, Um, They're like, when you push your body to the limits where, like, your brain's telling you, you can't do this, like, you can't squat this way, or you can't lift this way, and you force yourself to do it anyway, it's very much a parallel for life, you know, like, okay, like, I feel like I can't do it, I have to do it anyway, Um, and so that's, like, it just built this, like, mental toughness in me that I didn't have before, Um, so that really helped me out, Um, and then I have, uh, I have, like, two really good like non-judgmental friends that I can just tap in um and they're just ready to hear whatever I got in my heart like if I because there's like good days and bad days I was just talking to one of my friends yesterday and I was like there are days where I'm like yeah girl like you can do this by yourself like you're you don't need nobody <laughs> like you can live your whole life like this and it'd be fine then you have other days where like you're like you know, it would be kind of nice to have a partner. It would be nice to have somebody help me through this, you know? And some days one voice is louder than the other, you know? And so there's just days that it's like rough, but like I have friends that if I do feel that way, I can just like hit up and be like, Hey, are you free? Um, can I text you right now? Or can I call you right now? Can I FaceTime you? And they're, they're ready. And I think that's really helpful too, is to have somebody to decompress with.
0: Yeah. What do you do on like the days that Sarah's with dad. What are those feelings? Because I just can't imagine. I really can't. The the question marks, the I mean, I leave Celine with the kids and I come back to expect total disaster. I mean, they're not even dressed. <laughs> well. I'm just like, oh my god. I just what are your feelings with that?
1: Well, I don't know if you felt like you forgot your phone, right? That feeling of like, okay, I'm I missing something. Oh, the anxiety of yes. that. Yeah. Okay, so that's what it feels like, but times like 100 when I don't have Sarah. Because I have that same feeling that like nobody can take care of my kid like I can take care of my kid. Like, is he feeding her? Is he bathing her? Is he brushing your teeth before she goes to sleep? Is he reading her her story? Like, there's all these thoughts that like go in my head. And when, things, when we first started like our visitation schedule, um, I was sad. I was sad like I would just like be in my room when I didn't have her and I would just like be like bummed out or I'd be like on my, like doing numbing behaviors like uh, being on my phone or like watching a lot of TV. It's like anything that keep, kept my mind kind of like busy and not like thinking about anything like I was really sad um, and then um, I started going out. Like, I started uh, trying to keep myself busy, either, like, hanging out with friends or, like, uh, just doing something um, to keep myself busy in order to come, like, home, like, really late. Um, and I was doing that, too. And that's not, like, really healthy either. Mm-hmm. Um, so now I've really focused on trying to do things that are really hard to do with kids. Like, things like hiking by myself, for example, or going to the grocery store. Because any mom knows that going to the grocery store with a kid is hell. It's so bad. So, like, I'll, I'll plan my grocery store days on that day. Or, like, let's say Sarah, like he has Sarah. I'll work out for another hour. You know, I'll just try to keep myself busy and try to build my life. Um, that's what I do now. But there was a time where it was, like, really, really rough.
0: Yeah, I could just imagine. So I feel like um, there's a lot of, you know, feelings negative sad depressed but what are some positive feelings that you've or positive experiences that you've had since become since becoming a single mom if there is any which I'm pretty sure I mean again you look great
1: (laughs) um I mean okay like I mentioned earlier that this caused an identity crisis right in every meaning of that word um I became the most me that I've ever been. You know, I kind of shed all the expectations that people had for me. Like, whether it be, you know, like my parents' expectations or like my, this like sense of like religiosity that I used to have, which I still, I still believe in God for anybody who's listening to this, like, you know, but like. You know, you very, you know where we come from. That it's, it's like you dress a certain way, you act a certain way, you look a certain way, and it's all these like very um, external external yes. representation of that that's supposed to be like be correlated with your relationship Later. with God. Yeah. yeah, and so I kind of shed some of that stuff, and like it just that's a good thing I think um, because it one it really showed me what I believed in. Really, really showed me what I believed in. it also showed me um who who 's really on um, in my corner like who is who who really has my back um, it also like showed me uh who 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 I was outside of the context of a relationship and out of the context of being a mother right so it just it was just like like a melting pot that just like drew out all of my impurities for better or worse and then it kind of showed me how uh, capable I was because you don't know what you can handle until you're tossed. Like, like, it's like it was like being pushed into the pool. That's what it felt like. Um, and so there's like this quote that I heard um, and it said like, it was about, it was about that phrase that people say, God doesn't give you any more that you can handle. And I was like, yeah, he does. He does give you more that you can handle, right? But you just keep handling it, you know? And it's like this like paradox, like, and it doesn't make any sense, but it's like you're... You, you just you like level up, you know, it's like you before your capabilities were at, you know, a certain level. Now it's like you you have to do better because that's what you have to do. You have to move forward because what what else are you gonna do? So that I would say that like determination to like to move forward and to like not let this sink me because I've seen people who who let these kind of events uh, be the defining moments in their life and to like have this be their identity. And I didn't want my, I didn't want to have the identity of like a victim. I didn't want to have the identity of like the, the, the girl whose husband left her, you know what I mean? Like that's not, I didn't want that to be me. And this is like, I'm 20, 29. My life is just starting it didn't end when he left, or like when we separated, because he he didn't really love me. You know, that's another conversation. <laughs> but like, um, that wasn't the end of my life. It was just the beginning of a new chapter. So, and it's like it it made me realize that like, okay, I I have the decision. I I can choose what I want my life to look like. I'm I'm not a victim of my circumstances. Like, I hold the pen and I'm writing my story. Of course, like you know, with God backing me up. But it's like. That's, that's the biggest thing that it taught me. Girl, that's beautiful. (laughs)
0: Honestly, I'm like, it's so brave that you like took this problem, quote unquote, by the horns Mm -hmm. and pushed back. Like to me, that's brave because you're right. A lot of women, we end up bitter and we're just like man haters Hashtag Paquita La del Barrio. <laughs> La <tenunda. laughs>
1: I had a song in my do. playlist, though. <laughs> oh,
0: you do have it. How <laughs> funny you have the song in your playlist. Oh, man. But no, in all seriousness, like I, I feel like it's such a brave thing to go through the circumstance and just meet yourself, your authentic self, um, to meet it. And to see yourself for who you were and start shedding, you know, that weight of expectations, the weight of guilt, the whatever, self-shaming, like all those emotions are stirred. I'm always a little afraid of asking this question now, but what would you say to another mom that is facing the reality or maybe facing the possibility of having to rise up? and be a solo parent to their to their kids
1: um I mean that's uh that really depends on where they're at in their process right like if it's very fresh uh then again just exercising that like empathy and like mirroring language and like just like positive regard for the person um that's like I feel like that that's the extent of what you can do um, but like for someone who maybe it's like the, that reality has sunk in and you're like, okay, well, this is my life now. Um, there was a lot of things that kind of helped me out because I mentioned for six, like for six months or so, like I didn't tell anybody, I didn't tell anybody about it. Um, so I've, I was on you my went own. went
0: through it alone, basically. Yes. Like how, how did you go through that alone?
1: It's just. It was not a good choice for me. I think that that's a lot of where, um that anxiety that I was feeling, um, was rooted in, uh, was this like really isolating feeling. Cause like the load is really heavy when you're carrying it by yourself. Um, and it became a really touchy feely to talk about with my family. Um, because you know, there's no, sometimes people will look at your experience, um, and they'll think that there's a right way to do it. And I truly don't believe there is no right way there. There, there is, a uh, the way that's right for you. To be honest, like I stopped asking why it happened, I because that that's where a lot of pain was coming from because I was really confused and I wasn't getting the answers from him. You know, like it was it wasn't, it, and no matter what, like I feel like this is something that like if you if you are gonna be a single mom, like don't try to figure out why because no answer is gonna be satisfactory. They could tell you the reason and it's not gonna like make you feel better, you know. So it's like um, that was really rough. But, like, I uh, ended up finding a support group. And I encourage, like, any single mom that, like, wherever you're at in your divorce process, like, to find a support group. And I looked online and there's a Baptist church that has, like, um, something called Divorce Care. And it's, like, this, like, 13-week series Um, where they have like a workbook and um, it's this very like systematic approach towards processing your divorce. Yeah, it was so helpful and I felt... Um, for a long time, I felt crazy. like I'll, I'll use that word in this context. I felt crazy because all of a sudden I had panic attacks all, and they came out in weird ways. Like right before bed, I thought I was gonna die. <laughs> okay? Like I felt like I legit thought that I was gonna die. I, I never I'm not allergic to anything that I, that I know of. I really don't think so. Um, but there was a few nights where I would just break out in hives and n- there was nothing around me that would trigger that like i would just break out in hives it was like stress related and that was very cause i'm i'm this like tough girl you know what i mean that that's like my my brand or whatever so like i felt so like delicate all of a sudden um but like then i came in like in uh, contact with these people that were feeling the same things that i was they were going through the same thing that i was like my um sarah's dad is a first responder right a lady that was there her husband was also a first responder and so we had like these these things similarities that like i couldn't talk on that level with anybody else and the facilitators like same thing they had been through a divorce themselves like it was it was just like this peace that i felt because i felt normal for the first time in months i felt normal i felt like i wasn't crazy i felt like somebody else really understood what i was going through and i feel like if you're a single mom like that's the best thing that you can do is find your people find your people find people that are going through exactly what you went through so that you can like connect because it is like going through divorce is a really isolating experience mm-hmm. um Another thing I did was that like I read a book, um, from a lady who's a therapist, um, and it's called Getting Past Your Breakup, and it's another like uh, systematic approach again to like, um, really processing your feelings through the through about your breakup, mm-hmm. like she talks about um idealizing your ex, you know, and like how it's really natural for us to like think about all the good times that we had. Um, but like she's like calls you back to earth and is like, okay, like this didn't work out. What do I want for the future? What do I want for myself? And that's whether or not you are looking for reconciliation or whether or not you're going through a divorce. Because I think the worst thing that you can do if you're trying to get your husband back is to be this like blubbering crying mess. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like um she really encourages people to to build their own lives. And that's beneficial for you in either scenario. If you're if you if you want to move on with your life and like um, move forward, the best thing is to is to is to I guess like again like build your own life. And if you want to reconcile, like a, a, you're only going to be attractive. Like if you think about when you first met your husband, right? He fell in love with the individual. He fell in love with like who you are, right? All the good things that made Natalie Natalie you know, and as you become super intertwined with each other, and you become a mom, and the focus stops like becoming on like investing in yourself and being an individual, you're now like this part of a unit. Like, all the things that he loved about, you know, you like they kind of, they if, if we're not careful, they get lost. Oh, God, we, Celine and I joke around
0: all the time about how we are completely different people than when we first met. Like, in all areas Michelle we look at pictures from before Camille was born and she was she's only three years (laughs) old okay and we look at pictures and we're like we're not who is that person like but you're right that's the person we fell in love with so where did that person go and how come we're still here you know like what is keeping us here I guess that's what that's what marriage that's why it's hard cuz you you slowly change and become different people that are not the same ones that you fell in love with at first. Um I feel like marriage is like you're peeling, stripping away layers like an onion, you're just stripping away layers. That's what it does to you. Like you're not this anymore. Now you're that. You have evolved into this. You have evolved into that. And you're right. If we're not careful, our identity as I feel like as moms, we willingly lay it down and we lose ourselves in that, you know we we really do, at least I feel like I have I'm not the same person anymore I feel like I have laid down so much of my ambitions my goals, my passions my interests, because I'm focused on raising these two kids and sometimes I'm not even interesting anymore, like Selena and I will talk and we'll just stare at each other and we talk about the kids (laughs) because I'm not investing in my person separate from the kids that's scary
1: well if you look at the model that we have right yeah you look at you look at our moms which like my mom was a stay-at-home mom and she was great like i had such an awesome mom i have an awesome mom you know but like um that's the model that we got that your life is your children and everything every decision and i i understand that um, but we also live in, like, this, like, new new world, right? Mm-hmm. That, like, you know, our parents were very much about survival, whereas we're offered the opportunity to thrive, yeah. you know? And, like, you know, you're different people, but it's this, like, constant process of, like, choosing to fall in love with each other and getting to know each, like, this new version of each other. And, like, sometimes, like, like with me, I can say with certainty that I did lose myself. I mm-hmm. gained, like... 30, 40 pounds. Um, and my life was all about Sarah and like working and stuff. And like, I stopped um, putting the focus on myself and then also in investing in my marriage, like, really, really, really taking the time to like um, connect, right? Not having it be about all the responsibility, but also about really connecting. Um, but it's a lesson that I learned. And, you know, I, I am a better person for it. Um but like it's 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 just this like we have to constantly battle against that yeah. because it's like the natural our natural like path that we take it's being a mom yeah. completely but someday we're not going to be, you know, the kids are going to leave, they're going to be 18. What are we going to be left with? Honestly,
0: <laughs> that drives me every day. I tell Celine every time, I'm like I got to do something for myself cuz my number one fear is that the kids are going to turn eighteen? We're going to be empty nesters, and I'm going to look around and go, "What do I do?" And <laughs> I don't want to be that woman. I don't want to be the woman that's depressed because she has nothing to do or nothing to take care of. Yeah. You know, I want to, as I'm raising my children, also growing other interests and other things. So, yeah. Well, well. Just our last question here. <laughs> I know I put you through a lot. <laughs> I'm so sorry. But Thanks. really, I feel like. You're such a beautiful mother. Every time I see pictures of you taking Sarah hiking with you, like, that's (laughs) awesome. I just, I love the one-on-one friendship that you are developing with your daughter. Like, it's so obvious that your bond is so strong to her. And now knowing, like, the meaning of her name and what you went through to have her in this world, like, I can't imagine being in the hospital for all those weeks and months and, you know, just... You went through so much, mommy. You you did and you still are for the well-being of Sarah. And I know she's going to grow up one day and she's going to thank you for that. I'm sure she's going to see all the effort that you put in. And also, like, what a fun mom you are. <laughs> you know, even though, like, you're going through, you went through whatever you went through. You have those hard days. Like, I'm pretty sure she's going to look back and say, like, I had an awesome, fun mom. So just to finish up here, what is your favorite thing about motherhood or what brings you the most delight in your mothering?
1: I, like I mentioned, I work, right? And I'm a student and I have to be really intentional about spending time with my kiddo. Like I have to be really, really intentional. So like, I would say that my favorite thing about Sarah would be like the fact when I do take her on a new experience, like she's seeing it for the first time you know, and that, like, wonderment at the world is, like, so intoxicating, like, I love, like, when I took her to the beach for the first time, like, it it was this best thing, you know, that, like, when we took her to Disneyland for the first time, freaking out all over the place, Uh, when I take her to the mountains, you know, like, she's just, like, that look that I, I wish I could describe it, but like just watching her eyes like light up at the world, like it's a it's something that's so unique to being a child, you know, and I love that. I love I love that I get to be the one to like show her around, you know, and then like I think the the moments that make my heart melt is like when I wake up before she does and I just watch her sleep for a second And like the way that her face is like so relaxed and like her eyelashes are just like sitting, like resting on her face. Like I just like, it makes me melt because I think she's like, like, I feel like, what does my mom call it? La (laughs) mamá cuerva? Like, I just feel like my daughter is like the most beautiful child ever, like ever. I just look at her and I'm like, I cannot believe that she's mine. Like that's my baby, you know? And like, I feel like, she has given me this gift, this opportunity to just, like, love so much that I feel like my heart's going to explode. Yeah. Like, that, that, that's an opportunity that a lot of people don't get, you know? And, like, to know this unconditional love. Like, I would die for Sarah. I would go to jail for Sarah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, without a question, you know? And so she just gives my life this, like, purpose that I didn't have before, Um like even now, like my life is really busy, but I, I know like the reason why I'm able to continue and to juggle so much, um, was because she's my why, you know, like I have this, uh, this, uh, vision board. I do a vision board every year. Um, and I've done it for the last three years and it's really helped me stay focused on what I want, uh, out of my life and out of the future. And this year I had a few things on there, but quarantine missed, <laughs> like messed up a lot of things. Oh um, like, um, I have like, you know, f- fruits and vegetables. So I'm trying to eat a little bit healthier. I have like um, this picture of like mountains because I wanted to go out hiking a little bit more. And then, but right in the middle, I have this picture of Sarah and like everything that I want to do. Like I also have like a hooding ceremony on there and I have a home because I want to buy my own home someday. And it's like that she's why she's what keeps me going every single day. Like she is the reason why I get up in the morning. She's the reason why, like, cause being an adult sucks. Like, let's be real. Like, it sucks. But she makes it tolerable. She gives it meaning um, in a way that nothing else has. So I would say that's my favorite thing. That's a lot of things. I said a lot of things. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That's beautiful, Michelle. And by the way, Sarah, like, even though she was born a preemie and so many odds were against her, like, how is she doing right now? Like, physically, like, health-wise?
1: you know, Sarah was born early. Um, she was six pounds, 14 ounces. She was bigger than some kids are like at full term. Yeah. She was huge. She didn't have to like stay in the hospital at all. She was completely healthy. Um, you can't even tell, you know, some, some preemie kids, they stay little for their whole lives. Um, uh, not Sarah. No, you can't even tell. Yeah.
0: She's great. That's
1: awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, Michelle, thank you for sharing your story with us.
0: I know like it's A sensitive subject but I feel like we need to have more conversations like this so when we have our friend mamas that are going through a similar situation that you did we know how to respond that we aren't paralyzed with trying to come up with the perfect you know thing to say or activity to do with them that will end all pain and that we would instead just listen to them approach them and be with them so, thank you. Thank you, Natalie.
2: Thank you for listening.
0: Subscribe to our podcast and find out more about us on Instagram.
2: Bienvenida a Momentos Mamá, momentos de descanso para tu corazón de mamá y todos los papeles de tu vida. Yo soy Nidia Stacke, coach de Grupos MAPS en Español, un ministerio de MAPS Internacional. Chicas, en MAPS en español sabemos que una mamá, no importa la edad de su hijo ni la cultura de donde viene, tiene momentos espectaculares como también momentos súper difíciles en donde nos sentimos, a veces demasiado fácilmente, que somos la única que está llevando este papel de mamá con dificultad. Y desafortunadamente, muchas de nosotras sufrimos de miedo de ser sinceras o de no tener a alguien con quien nos sentimos suficientemente en confianza para compartir lo más profundo de nuestros corazones. Pero amiga, te quiero alentar que sinceramente no estás sola. Existen otras mamás como tú que aman a sus hijos y el cuidado diario de sus pequeños, pero también sienten que este papel de la vida es duro. Estas mamás se reúnen en grupos MAPS alrededor del mundo, aprenden a compartir sus experiencias de mamá esposa, hija, hermana o amiga con una a la otra a lo mejor acompañadas con una taza de té o café y juntas nos damos cuenta que cuando una comunidad de mujeres aprenden a apoyarse mutuamente las cosas de la vida son más fáciles para llevar así que si tú también necesitas apoyo encuentra tu grupo MAPS más cercano o empieza uno nuevo en tu comunidad con gusto te ayudaremos cuando visites a mobs.org.